This is Thomas Gosson of Mind's Eye, the web series, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Computer, status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! Good evening, everybody. It's TalkCast94, and if you're an ovulating superhero, tonight it's all about you on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in Area 51, it's the sub-level 25 Planned Parenthood Probing Examination Room. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight from the Austin Brighton Box Farm, it's the Cardboard Wrangler to the Stars, Kriana. That was her. (laughs) From the Four Color Baltimore... Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire. The woman who thought a wine press was a wench and an iron maiden, the dead redhead. My rabbit is still alive, so I'm here tonight. <laughs> Congratulations, the rabbit and the cats. <laughs> From Outpost Gallifrey, Crop Circle Showroom, and Nymphomaniac Test Center in Upper Montclair, New Jersey, it's our Captain Segway, Awake by Java. Or maybe he's not back from his drink yet. <laughs> okay it's gonna be one of those nights isn't it kids cat ate him he said he was checking on the cat maybe the cat ate him possible very possible joining us tonight from the soon-to-be web series super knocked up writer producer director jeff burns hi jeff hey guys thank you so much for having us i'm very impressed by the professionalism of the show and how everybody's here okay you can bite (laughs) now And one of the actors from Super Knocked Up plays Captain Whizbang, Mark Pizzuto. <laughs> Thank you, yes. yes I'm sorry, I, Captain Amazing. I, I apologize for we that. Should, we should change it to Captain Whizbang. Yeah, I like that's that. a good name, actually. Well, Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having us on. Tonight, so you're going to have to bear with us. <laughs> of course, if you could bear that, it would be painful, but that's okay. But I'm fine. <clears throat> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's going to be... Java, where the hell is he? Where did he went to go get a? I'm beer. here. Oh, finally, finally! You missed the wonderful introduction I gave you. Wonderful. Well, I try. It had to do with nymphos. <laughs> well, <laughs> so we wanted to start off tonight's show with a happy birthday wish. Yes, we'd like to make a uh, wish a happy birthday, happy 85th birthday to one of our longtime listeners, Barbara Russo from New Hampshire. And just to say you've got still got plenty of years left, Graham, so go get them. We thought our oldest fan was Harlan Ellison, and we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Although, be careful saying that. She could still take you down. <laughs> she, she could take Harlan, too. I'd be very careful. Uh, she could. She could. She could out-talk Harlan, too. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Harlan, Harlan got a way about him. So where do we want to start tonight, guys? Well, you know, it's not the only birthday uh, that's that's happening today, uh, July 30th, 2011. Because uh, 25 years ago today, Flight of the Navigator was released. And uh, probably one of my favorite movies of the 80s. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm a fan. And I'm okay, glad why, that they're not why? remaking it. Film, thank God, first of all, that they're not remaking it. 
I mean, you know what? You, shit needs to be left alone when it's when it's really good, and and Flight of the Navigator, quite frankly, is a really really uh, good standalone film. Didn't need a sequel. Doesn't need a reboot. Doesn't need any of that shit. And, and great original science fiction. What you know? what what in your mind made that a great film? Uh, I I don't know. There was just something about it uh, for for a young kid watching that movie. I mean, it was completely believable. You know, a video game. Uh, ends up training you for interstellar space travel. Yeah. Is that called The Last Starfighter? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting that mixed up. Uh, no. The, <laughs> uh, the, but The Flight of the Navigator was, was a very similar movie, you know, I, because it was about a, a young boy who ends up getting a spaceship. And, and uh, it, not only that, but it was. I, I didn't see it when it was released because I was two, but I saw it on VHS probably. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was two. Bite me, okay? <laughs> Bite me. Good lord. Oh, here uh, we go. But but you know, I, I probably saw it on VHS. You know, when I was not much older, probably five or six, and and you know the the main character, Davy. You know, he doesn't actually get into the ship until halfway through the movie. Yeah, but and the cool thing was that there weren't they weren't a lot of well known actors at that point. In fact, the most well known actor actress in that in that movie at that point was Veronica Cartwright. Ooh, alien. And, and ooh, Doctor Johnny Fever was also in that movie. Howard Hessman. <laughs> Veronica Cartwright's been in a lot of science fiction and horror. Well, she she was doing she she had just come out of uh, uh, that that horrifyingly bad TV series, Lost in Space. Oh, <laughs> that's the one. Hey, come on now. Let's not, let's, I loved that show when I was a kid. I used to get up on in the morning and get ready for school, watching the robot and wait, danger, danger. <laughs> Oh boy, Sarah Jessica Parker was in that movie. Yeah, but she wasn't well known at that point. I mean, who you know? The story was written by Mark Baker, blah blah blah. Screenplay by Michael Burton, blah blah blah. It, I mean, it honestly didn't have anything. You know, it didn't have big names attached to it. It didn't have not, not from not for the time. You know, no, not but at it, all. It was just a really good solid fun kids movie and you know the same the the movies of that era were much the same i mean it, it within within a, a a year a year earlier you had back to the future which was released and you know you had labyrinth which was released a little bit before david the Navigator. yeah 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 and, yeah and you know um all of those movies were were just they were original they were um well made with pretty big budgets for the time and they they were just they were fun movies that that people enjoyed. They weren't attached to a franchise. There was no franchise for Back to the Future until the movie came out. Right. You know, uh, and, and uh, uh, that's just such a such a big change that's happened to movie making because there's no way that uh, uh, any of those three movies, Labyrinth, Back to the Future, and and Flight of the Navigator, would be released today. It's just absolute. No way. I think Paul Rubens okay. is in it. 
Pee-wee Herman. Yes, right. Pee-wee Herman was the voice of the uh, voice of the uh, 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 spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of his. Yeah, it was. It was actually. It was actually a really sweet film. You know, and and those mm-hmm. those you don't see those much anymore. No, and and instead we've got um, you know movies that coming out that are. Attached to a huge franchise that are marketed towards kids, like GI Joe, Rise oh, of Life. Shit. Uh, Don't even start with GI Joe. Here's here's the fun news about GI Joe, kids. Star Trek Two uh, reboot in its own self has been bumped to 2013. Taking its spot in uh, 2012 is going to be GI Joe, GI Joe, GI Joe. I can't believe I just said that. GI. <laughs> That's a completely different movie. With (laughs) isn't that isn't that the one with uh, uh, oh god Um, yeah what's his name from Saturday Night Live? Uh, (laughs) Happy Gilmore. That's that's uh, that's GI Joe Rise of the Briss. uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, when when the Briss rises, that's a whole different story. That's it's just it's just a completely different movie. uh, Okay, moving on from there. No, but it, I think it's a real shame that uh, that uh, you know Star Trek Two, you know, is knows what's happening because I'm okay with it. Problems. You know, uh, people really okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. With another year for Star Trek because you know J.J. Abrams had. I want him to do it, and I want him to feel good about it, and I want him to do a good, jo- a, a better job with the sequel than he did with the original. And you know what? Honestly, this whole reboot of the Star Trek universe, I'm done with. I, I don't care about it anymore because I've just started watching Voyager, and it's awesome. You know, I would much rather would much rather watch reruns of Voyager and reruns of uh, uh, Deep Space Nine any day. Yeah, the only problem is Deep Space Nine isn't on Netflix yet uh, in its entirety. It doesn't come out on Netflix until October 1st. So I wasn't able to start watching it like I had planned. But that's okay because you can borrow my DVDs anytime you want. I have the entire series. Uh, I was just going to say that. I, that's the only show I have the entire series of is Deep Space Nine. Uh, <laughs> really? I'll tell you what. The, um, I, I have actually, no, that's not true. I have um, all of MacGyver. <laughs> oh, you're the one and i'm telling you i'm telling you that is the show to own on dvd because you know <laughs> such such brilliance will never happen on television again is that helping you put furniture together java is that <laughs> i learned everything that i need to know from macgyver <laughs> and, and i thought we were going to have a sam beckett reference here but no not. no um the the, I want more. I want more of Star Trek television show. I do, and I was looking for it online, and I came across a project. And, and you know, maybe we could have these guys on. But there was a there's a fan show that's being made uh, called Star Trek Phoenix. Um, oh. And I watched I watched the first episode on YouTube, and it's not good. Oh. <laughs> just waiting okay, for the, it's, not we, it's not bad. Not good. It's not good. It, it's just not. Okay, well, we probably probably they don't want to be on now. 
Well, hey, they about- can come on and defend it whenever they there's, want. It's just not good. There's actually speaking- several. Sorry, there's actually several fan shows. I actually even helped out on one. There's one that shoots up in the, in the upstate uh, New York, uh, oh, up near, oh. near Canada, called Star Trek Phase Two or New Voyages. Now they call it something like that, which yes. is actually they actually do quite a good job on that. Oh uh, well, okay, I'm gonna go check. They were actually on our show like five years ago. Oh sweet. When they when they did the first one that had uh, Walter Koenig in it. And yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, here it is. It's the second result. Ah. <laughs> New voyages. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, they, they've done some very interesting stuff, actually. Very interesting stuff. I mean, there's a lot of fan stuff going on there. You know, and we're winding down with Browncoat's Redemption, too. It's actually winding down. We're getting down to the bitter end. I, I just want another Star Trek show that doesn't suck. You know? And and the problem is with this reboot, it's it's the the Star Trek... You know, estate. The, it's the cookie Gene, cutter. Gene Roddenberry estate is probably pretty reluctant to go ahead and keep going in the timeline of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. And if and if you try to go back and redo new, Next Generation era uh, Star Trek with the, the new timeline, it's going to be different. And that's not cool because there's so much good stuff that happened during that. I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to re, re uh, revisit the Borg from a different perspective where Vulcan doesn't <laughs> exist. That's that that pisses me off. Yeah, well, it probably should. Um, there's there's a series of realities involved here. Uh, you know, if if we go back into a a oh God a a before the reboot new series, um, you know, where's the Bible for it? What do we use? What don't we use? What can we use? All of the canon that has happened that that the uh, the screenwriters and, and the, the design people have been doing for years and years and years who are really good at it and, and you know, just let it go. Just let J.J. Uh, Abrams stuff happen on its own which, and, and love it in, in a completely different way. But so, I, in other words, in other words we're, we're going to play Schrodinger's box <laughs> and we're going to let the time stream split and follow both of them. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I want to see. I want to see another Enterprise show. Um, you know, that, that, that happens. That happens after Voyager. I want to see what happens after. I'm. I'm only in the second season of Voyager, but I want to see some what happens after Voyager. You know, I. I, I want them to be because we had we had the original series that that you know where they had what was it warp uh, five was the highest they had. Yeah, right? three or four actually. It wasn't okay. into the movies till it got to five. And then, and then we had Next Generation where they were up to Warp 9, and then we've got Voyager, which is up to Warp 13 or whatever. And, and you know, I want to see Warp 20. Whoa. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's your benchmark, how many warps we can get. Exactly. Perfect. I want a, it, it's, it's Tim the Toolman Taylor does Star Trek. <laughs> oh, my. War power. <laughs> so we're definitely past 11 now. <laughs> uh, that's, that's very scary, quite frankly. <laughs> so the beauty, the beauty of it is that, you know, we, there are any number of places you could go from the end of Voyager. Um, of course, you still haven't seen the end of Voyager, have you? No. Okay. You'll, I will tell you now. When you reach the end of the final season, the last two-hour episode, you're going to sit there with a smile on your face and go, you bastards, that was pretty. I'm sure I will. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of upset that I don't get to watch 
Deep Space Nine first, but you know what? I can deal with it. But it's okay because Deep Space Nine's ending was very, very unsatisfying. Really? Oh, I loved it. Are you serious? Yeah. It's actually my favorite Star Trek show of all of them, and I, and I love them all. Love oh, them anyway. But, of, uh, of all the franchises, that is my absolute favorite. Oh, because, right, awesome. Nice, nice to see another DS9 fan. But. But I just thought that, that that last episode, that final episode of the final season, I just sat there and I went, no, that's not the way to end this. Well, just- you know what series is probably not going to have a final episode? Game of Thrones, because they've said that they're just going to keep making it as long as George R. R. Martin is writing it. And I'm telling you, Frank, that son of a bitch out till there ain't I, I just, no more blood. I just want to sit this HBO CEOs down and say, you do understand that George R. R. Martin is never going to stop writing. He doesn't <laughs> stop. Writing. In fact, he does a heck of a lot of writing. He just never puts anything out. So he puts know. it. Out, he writes. He writes prolifically and puts it out when he feels like it. But they they were having a meeting where they were discussing the the next series of Game of Thrones and and stuff and the, and the fact that this first season was only 10 episodes long instead of the traditional 12. Um, and and they, what they said was if they had done 12, they wouldn't have felt good about the 10 that they put out. They think they would have uh, lost quality. So, you know, on that side of it, I'm, I'm like, okay, I understand. Make 10 episodes. I don't, I don't really care. It, it seemed like a short season, but that's all right. Um, as long as the, if, you know, they're going to try to keep up with quality. But they also kind of said that there isn't going going to be an end in sight uh, for for Game of Thrones. And as that's the, okay, that's okay. I got no problem with that. Seriously. Well, well, the the problem is that that you know we've got now we've got the fifth or the sixth Dance of Dragons, whichever book that is in the series. And right. That's, and so that's a guaranteed six season show and probably a seven season show. Um, and we've only got one season, and and that's that's a little unnerving because you've got all those actors and all those writers and all those that production staff who are tied up making this particular show uh, for for as long as the writer wants to keep writing, and that's that's a little scary because if the show does go down in quality, you know, I I don't know that it's that big a concern to them at this point because. The level of the writing that George R. 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 Martin does <laughs> to this point has been pretty damn good, uh, and, and you know he, we've got he's got six books out, which is uh, analogous at this point to six seasons for him. So we're but doing as, well with that. As the series goes along, it gets so fragmented, and and in the books, and it's going to be really hard. What, what's he, what's even scarier at this point? Is that True Blood, which has jumped directly out of the books and is now doing its own, has, has a life of its own outside Thank the city stack, Stackhouse novels, and just got renewed for season five. I'm okay with that. I'm enjoying the current season. I'm loving the current season. I think it took so many goddamn weird-ass twists in the first three episodes, and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, good for you. Good for you. This is really, really interesting. I mean, yeah. you know, the shapeshifters have have gotten a life of their own. The uh, uh, oh god, crazy panther, back- crazy panther, backwoods crack horse. Oh, unbelievable! <laughs> My God, <laughs> that whole 
that whole subplot with Jason is just you're sitting there and then and then and then and then sorry but i mean you know jason gets uh uh uh, uh revived by uh, baby jessica's blood and then has that nightmare afterwards you know and and i just the, the fairy thing i was like at the end of the last season i was like wait a second this is stupid but the way that they did that was cool you know cuz they're gross when you see them without their glamours on which oh, is yeah. actually I mean, that's that's actually, you know, good uh, writing there. That's good uh, fantasy writing because that's the case with fairies. And, and you know, the, it's just it's just being really well done. And, and you can only hope that HBO continues to do that with uh, American Gods, which is going to be um, – it, it's in very early, early, early production talks right now. Um, in fact, they were really hesitant to say anything about it, but – that's going to become hopefully a series on HBO um, based on the book by Neil Gaiman. The Neil Gaiman is, stories, right? Yeah. It's just uh, I, you know a lot of this is is spun out because of fans, and I I'm going to turn around a little bit since we're getting there. I would like to bring it back actually to the show's fans, to Sci-Fi Saturday Night's fans, especially to and, our you know Facebook we joke friends. about there being all ten of them, and we found out that you know what. Uh, we got a lot of people who who actually listen in and play along. We uh, we put a poll up on Facebook, and I asked folks what their who their favorite science fiction villain was because we've had discussions on here before about villains. Like my biggest problem with Thor was that I thought that Loki was just kind of an emo wuss, but um, <laughs> <laughs> at least in the movie, in the movie. So we asked sixty seven. 67 of you voted and you guys really kicked it old school number one with the most votes was darth vader nice wait a minute 67 voted in two days that's right that's right in two days they they went to the website and and gave us their bitching and moaning and i thought some of the stuff that they came up with for good villains was amazing oh yeah great list baron harkonnen you wait, oh, boy, our man. top three, our top three were Darth Vader, Agent Smith from Matrix, from the Matrix trilogy, and yes, Baron Harkonnen came in third. Who would have thought? Uh, there is no one freakier than the Baron Harkonnen, and I can, <laughs> and that's in every sense. He is just the the craziest. And if you if you read some of the um, the backstory uh, about him and and all of the stuff that happened before Dune and how he got to be how he is. But I mean, man, ooh, that's the one of the few characters that I think was really well done in the Dune movie. Okay, yes. now for all of us on the show tonight, with the exception of the dead redhead, there was there were a couple of votes that voted for the character two by two hands of blue. Does anybody know who that is besides Dead Redheaded and me? I'm I'm sorry. Are you kidding? Okay, fine. Uh, ask the guests. See if they know. <laughs> uh, it, that sounds so familiar, but um, I'm gonna have to go with I, I'm not 100 percent sure. It's it sounds familiar enough for me to have recently heard it. Um, and I'm sure when you tell me, I'm gonna be like, oh yes. Just say you don't know. I don't know. No, I, I really, it does sound familiar. It sounds familiar. I'm trying to think of the shows or the movies I've watched in the past uh, couple months or so. But okay, it's nothing. Mark, Mark I, I would go yeah. Nathan Fillion. 
Oh, it's got to be Firefly then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. So I, knew, I knew it sounded familiar. I, I recently so watched that. Out there. There were some really good other other people on this on this list too. I mean, there really uh, were, but that one freaked me out. That one totally have, freaked me out. We have the Master from Doctor Who. We have Ghidra from the Godzilla series. We have Sauron. We have Gozer the Gozerian. Guys, I was excited to see Gozer. Okay, and I, and I thought it was funny. Somebody actually said, "I know I'm stupid, but who is Gozer?" No. Okay, you are <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You don't and have then to. And we go had um, somebody named Darken Rawl. Darken Rawl from The Wizard's First Rule. That's such a good. Yeah. yeah. Being the Merciless. Ah, oh, I love this list. And it's a con. great list. Con. <laughs> con. Speaking of Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, this was really fun. Thank all you guys for, for voting. And I'm yeah, we need do to do some more on some some polls, polls for you. We're going to do a poll a week. We're going to try and do a poll a week. And then we're gonna we're gonna reveal the poll on the show on Saturday night. Okay, sounds good. Uh, especially if it's really interesting, like this one. If it's this not interesting, was... we should we should can it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what. We'll let you be the arbiter of truth on this one. What do okay, you say? I'll be the arbiter. Do I get a, Do I get a cowl because I want a cowl? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can have a Simon cowl. How's that? <laughs> I love it. Ugh. How this is why he is named that because of that. He's an arbiter. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got going on? Oh, let me see. Hey, Lucas oh. lost some money. How about that? Yes. <laughs> Lucas wants money. George, no, George Lucas lost a court battle. Yes, he did. I'm not yeah. sure. And you know what? I'm not sure I agree with it. It, it the, the stormtrooper copyright. I'm not uh, sure I agree with that judge. Just saying. Well, I mean, the the, the problem is that um, the first of all, to the guy who now who actually this is actually it. in Britain. This isn't in the U.S. Right. right. This is the U.K. High Court, and they uh, basically said that. Um, Speaking of cowls <laughs> <laughs> and scowl, uh, but that's and okay. funny wigs. <laughs> The, the, he was he was uh, in court against uh, suing Andrew Ainsworth, who who made the original stormtrooper helmets, and has been making replicas for the past eight years um, of the stormtrooper helmets. And unlicensed replicas, by the way. Uh, unlicensed replicas, exactly. Um, and the the court case was basically around the question of whether or not the stormtrooper helmet design is a work of art or just a functional ob- object. Um, and if it's a sculpture, then the author of the sculpture would be, um, would hold the copyright for the life of the author plus 70 years. Which I'm still uh, confused as who they're saying the, the, the author, the author of the sculpture is, right. was. Is that Lucas or is that Mr. Ainsworth? The, the intellectual property would be, belong to Lucasfilm. To Lucas, yeah. If it's not, um, if it's a functional object, then it, it doesn't, there's no, there's no automatic there's, copyright on it. And here, here's, where, here's where the problem lies. Um, the whole part of, you know, sure, it's Lucas. I get it. And Lucas is, you know, that's like prodding the fat cow. And, you know, who cares? It's the fat cow. But 
a lot of times it isn't the fat cow and people you know the stealing of 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 that kind of intellectual property at that level you know it, it concerns me well i mean the thing is that lucasfilm made those 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 props were commissioned by this artist um you know for use in a film that's not, right not as a not as a work of art if it had been made if it had been made to be displayed in the in the you know atrium of skywalker ranch it would be different um and that copyright would belong to lucasfilm but it's not it was it was a functional object made to be used in a movie and then the copyright protection is only 15 years long so 15 years after mr ainsworth did his work for lucasfilm there's no longer a copyright on the stormtrooper helmet and armor wow wow so so he can he can make whatever replicas he wants, and this is of course only in the UK because in America, if you steal anything from George Lucas, you get shot in the head. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, your family yeah. is kidnapped. Your dogs are kidnapped. Your cats are kidnapped. Yes. Your dogs are raped. Your cats are. are your children are sent to a to a, a holding pen on Yavin Four. That's uh, right. the, the cool thing is actually that this guy makes a ton of money off of making these suits. He makes yes, he uh, does. This is that the guy. This is the guy who actually designed them, and so he he charges uh, two almost uh, twelve hundred dollars for a helmet and five thousand for a suit. Right? Uh, I think it was more like fifteen hundred, or uh, I'm sorry, twenty five hundred for oh, twenty five hundred. I don't know. It's pounds, and I don't know the exchange rate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, it's about I'm sorry. Double. It's it's uh, one pound equals one million dollars. That's what there you go. <laughs> can we can we just say he makes a crap load of money? Yes, we can. Okay, because he makes a crap load of money, and I mean, you know, I'm not so sure that George shouldn't be getting a share of that. I honestly, I don't know. You know, I I think that George has plenty of, money. and I think that I think that copyright is you know is is a sticky issue and I'm glad to see that someone sided against George. <laughs> I, it's just, no, really, it's, yes. it's a little bit, it's a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, of revenge for the Blu-ray versions. The stick it to the stick. <laughs> how about, how about revenge for E.T.? Oh God. <laughs> it's a complete aside, but I went to Universal Studios this summer and I went on the E.T. ride. I've never been on the ET ride before. And that is the freakiest thing that I have ever been through. And I I was I was forced to go through it three times. That is the weirdest thing ever. Is it is that the one where he says your name at the end? And yeah, like, it, it was it was okay up until the point that we went through the the uh reflective tunnel of stars. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden all of a sudden, it, it turned into uh, Steven Spielberg's 80s, you know, mushroom trip. And I didn't, it was, I, I was just done. Yeah, call home. <laughs> <laughs> so, talking about directors who are, you know. I was going to say, I think it's up. about that time. Yeah, we could do that. It's time to talk about a web series that's about to debut very shortly called, oddly enough, Super Knocked Up. And 
Yeah, we've been had a lot of fun talking. When we say the title of your your show, yeah, we have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, we oh, do. awesome! It's good we to hear. <laughs> uh, because super it's, a, it's an incredible non sequitur. <laughs> you know, because you would think it's you know superheroes would know about birth control. Clearly, they don't. No, it's not. You know, it's not taught in superhero schools. I guess very, very well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I don't remember that section of of what was it, uh, super high or whatever. <laughs> Sky high. Sky high. Sky high. <laughs> I don't. Re- I don't remember the, I, the awkward the sex ed class section of that. Class, but, you know, Kurt Russell <laughs> teaching the birds, the bees, and body armor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want Linda Linda Carter to be teaching that class. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I take that class. Definitely. <laughs> that son of a bitch. No problem. Anyhow, joining us is Mark Burns, who is the writer. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Burns. Oh. Jeff, Jeff wishes he was. He was Mark, Mark Burns and Jeff Pizzula. No, Jeff Burns and Mark Pizzula. There we go. Okay, we <clears throat> we have been. Night is backwards night on Sci Fi Saturday night. <laughs> We've been drinking again. <laughs> we apologize, or, or I apologize because you've been drinking, but he, whatever. Anyhow, Jeff Burns is the uh, writer and director, and Mark Pizzula is the star, Captain Amazing, a hero who shares the night with his arch enemy, Dark Star, mm-hmm. yes. and ends up with a tiny problem. Yeah. Just a small one. <laughs> so, okay, let, let's start off with with the very beginning. Jeff, what made you think about doing this? <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> Are you reading the well, pro again? <laughs> well, you know, um, it got to a point where I, I had knocked up so many girls, I thought I'd tell a story no, about it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and right, he's so. a superhero. So. <laughs> no, don't tell him that, Mark. That's a secret. All right, sorry. All right, I've heard the secret. Uh, so really, I... Um, I, was t- I took this online screenwriting course to this place called ScreenwritingU.com. And uh, it was an intense six-month course. And the first thing we had to do was come up with the concept that we were going to spend the whole six months writing as a feature film. And um, one thing we did is we come up with a bunch of core concepts. And then we learned all these different brainstorming techniques to spin those off into different ideas and come up with, you know, try to come up with the best concept. And like, I think on like day two, um, as I was... I think actually my original, my core concept was something about, because I, I love superhero stuff, obviously, so, so I was playing around with that. And I think the core concept was something about the heroes go missing or something happens where the villains have to save the world. But, but off of that, uh, going through these techniques, I, one day I came up with the, the idea of, oh, what would happen if this female supervillain got pregnant by a superhero and they had to raise the kid together? You know, what would they do? What would happen? And... <laughs> As soon as I came up with that, two, two thoughts came across my mind, which number one was, holy shit, that's a fucking awesome idea. And <laughs> number two, I can't believe nobody's done that yet. So, so I knew as soon as I came up with it, that was the one I was going to write. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's really the genesis of it. So you were into superheroes prior to taking this course, prior to this whole routine. Where, what, what was it? You know what, what? Where's the genesis of this? What what superheroes were your guideposts here? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, as a kid, sir, I, I definitely read you know comic books. Um, and I mean, this is going to probably sound very very typical, but uh, growing up, my favorite was that was definitely Spider Man. You know, and I know a lot of people say that, and you know, they say that you know Peter Parker. But there's everybody. a reason why everybody's right. Says that. They say because <laughs> Peter Parker's 
the kid everybody can relate to, you know, the one they right. can empathize with. And that's, which is so important in storytelling. You, you have to empathize with your protagonist. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Sp- I love Spider-Man growing up uh, until the whole clone nonsense and I stopped reading. Uh, Thank you. Like, <laughs> that C word. Yeah. Yeah. And that other C word. Um, <laughs> Careful. This is almost a family show. <laughs> Mr. Burns. I will say, though, in um, Ultimate Spider-Man, which is my, my current favorite comic, Brian Michael Bendis, I thought, did an awesome job with his clone, his take on the clone saga. I thought that was very well done. Um, Ooh. No? You didn't like it either? All right. Not everyone did. Not everyone did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, you will find some disagreement there, but that's okay. That, that's cool. <laughs> yep, yeah. So, so Spider-Man was definitely like the main one for me growing up. I, I was really big into X-Men, too. Um, you know, and of course the whole thing with the mutants and the outsider thing. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not sure I get exactly why I guess I maybe first gravitated towards superheroes, but um, I definitely did from a very early age. And it was on and off, you know, in terms of me reading them. Um, so you were reading comics as a kid and that was, that was kind of like your fun time and, and you're doing things with that. Yeah, because, you know, I wasn't, nobody was having sex with me, so, you know, I had to read comic books. <laughs> Wait, but I thought you knocked up a lot of a lot of. No, no, no. That was like much more recently. Oh, all right, right. never mind. (laughs) So much more impressive it was back then. Yeah, (laughs) when I was ten. This is why it's easy for female geeks to get dates, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I would love a female geek. (laughs) That's why we have two or three of them on the show. It's wonderful. (laughs) Smart, smart man. Ah, yes. So you're you're reading comic books, you're watching movies, you, you you're you're watching TV, you're seeing all these superheroes doing things. How I I don't understand, you know, where where your mind twisted that one little extra twist to, you know, the superhero and the supervillain in a night of passion. Well, maybe because I'm a little sick. Uh but uh, <laughs> a little <laughs> Good All answer, right. good answer. Uh, you know, easy, yeah, Mark, easy. We'll I get guess, to you, I promise. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm, I guess I would say the techniques we learned in the, in the Screenwriting You course were really designed to go out of the box, you know, and um, really come up, the whole thing was really to try to come up with something very unique, you know, and something different that, that hasn't been t- exactly done this way before. And, and I think that's really what, what I was trying to do when applying these techniques is, you know, to, to think, let me, you know, think of things, something that, what is some kind of superhero villain thing that we really haven't seen before or isn't touched on as much that, you know, that I could do that could be a lot of fun. And I thought this, that was, it was a really cool idea. So you're now starting to flesh out these characters. You have your, your main protagonist, Captain Amazing. Actually, Sorry, just to interrupt. That's actually not true. The villain, uh, Jessica James, is actually the protagonist of the story, which is a little way it's also different than a lot of superhero stories. That is very different. Mm. Okay. Okay, so your protagonist is Jessica Jane. Who she, uh, what, what did you use to build her as, as, as a character? We can build her. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> um, well, I'm a big... I'm a very Mark's gonna laugh at this because I say this on our show a lot and they make fun of me. But I'm, I'm well, that's a, okay. A, we'll be happy to do the same. Oh, Mark, sure. Awesome. Get ready. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I'm a very big uh, fan of stories with female protect, like kick-ass female characters. 
um, you know, so, you know, like, obviously, I, you know, I love Buffy and, um, and actually, you know, any, almost anything Whedon does, which obviously he's a big, he's a, he writes a lot of obviously very strong female characters. Yes. Um, and uh, so, and that's something, I don't know, that's something I just, I think I've always really just gravitated towards the, those characters very interesting to me. And um, I love, I mean, with, the cool thing about female characters and I think is that I can make, you know, they're very strong character independent and they're kicking ass, but then also, you know, um, you can show that the, there's maybe a vulnerable side or, you know, a, a more tender side as well, which is uh, maybe not as easy to do with, I guess, a man who's supposed to be macho, supposedly, you know, I don't think that needs to be the case, but. You mean like Wolverine in, in X-Men First Class? <laughs> oh, my. Right. I was actually going to say that the whole thing that when they interviewed Joss Whedon out at Comic-Con, um, he was talking about the differences in the characters when they were talking about the mutants. And he said, there's the guys and the guys blow stuff, blow stuff up and they hit each other and all this. And the women will be just as kick-ass, but then the, they have this very complex side that he actually liked working with. He was talking about Scarlett Johansson, that mm-hmm. he actually liked working with her character a little bit more because of that. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I would totally, I mean, I think he's a genius, but I would totally agree with that. Um, the cool, I mean, with, with Jessica, uh, the, the protagonist of my series, um, I think the cool thing is to, that was, it was actually very helpful in order to build a lot of layers and, and contradiction there. I, I like having characters with, with contradictions, like, so, you know, she, she's this awesome villain and she kicks people's asses, but, you know, then you see her with a baby and she's super, like, loving and really cares about her, her son, you know, and I think I, that's, that's great, that dichotomy. I, I really love playing with stuff like that. Oh, so she's already going to have the child. No, the that's, show. I jumped oh. ahead a little bit. I jumped the gun a little bit. Oh, okay. uh, the, the first season is actually kind of spoilers. Whole, yeah, yeah the, spoilers. She actually has the baby. Spoilers. She has the baby. Right. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler. You know, she doesn't go to, she doesn't go to Kryptonian Planned Parenthood. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, that's not a bad idea. Uh, anyway, no. Season one actually is um, take more of the whole knocking up business and them trying to you know figure out what they're gonna do. So yeah. Um, you do get we actually we actually start with a jump into the future though like a, later on in the series where you do see the baby very briefly and then we go back and tell the story. So okay, what I don't want to have is the "How I Met Your Mother" opening with the uh, uh you know the the disembodied voice talking to the children going, you know, when I first met your mom. <laughs> that is absolutely not what you're going to see. You're actually going to oh, see a very, very very thick cast <laughs> opening with some special effects, and it's a real I think it's a really attention grabbing opening. So. So, so what about some of your favorite female comic book characters then? Because uh, I think when I, for some reason when I was looking through all this, I kept thinking of the character in the pro. But it sounds like Jessica is more almost like, um, more like the Jessica of Alias. Not the TV show, but the, the comic. Oh, uh, who that's ended actually, yeah. Marrying Luke Cage. Jessica um, Jones. Yeah. Jessica Jones. And it sounded, she was sounded more like that. She was this tough chick, but at the same time, she was like, oh, my life <laughs> kind of thing going on. That, that's actually a great reference. Um, I, I love the series Alias by, again, Brian Michael Bendis. That's actually probably the series, one of the first series I read by him that got me into, like, I wanted to read everything he had done. Um, so, yeah, Jessica Jones, I think that's, that's a great character. Um, in terms of other female comic book characters I really like, and I don't, I'm not sure if, they inspired uh, the Jessica in my story, but I've always loved Rogue a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, 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 yep. Very <laughs> flawed, very flawed female character, but wonderful. Right. 
Yeah, and obviously the whole thing about her, you know, obviously in the not being able to get close or touch anyone. I mean, so it's what it's a great concept and it's very mm-hmm. poignant. Um, I've liked uh, I like Psylocke, Betsy Braddock. I've always kind of liked her. Um, that might be more of a, just a hot thing, possibly though. Uh, <laughs> <to> be- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to find those not hot character female characters in Marvel <laughs> comics, isn't it? I know, it's, weird. Why I don't they just make a really different. ugly one? Yeah, they, they, it just never happens. Yeah. Oh, you know who I really, particularly in um, what in the Ultimate Spider-Man world, uh, what Bendis has done with her, Kitty Pride. I love uh, Kitty Pride. Um, yes. And she, he's actually doing some really interesting things with her with her powers and. Kitty is awesome in the Ultimate world. Yeah. So those are the ones that come off the top of my head, at least. So, Mark. Yes. Let's oh, you want to talk to him? to Mark for a little bit now. All right. So. How did you get together with Jeff? Do you know him? Were you friends? Were you buddies? What's the deal? We used to date. Uh, we did. Um, it was very turbulent, and uh, we parted ways for a while. No, um, <clears throat> I actually met Jeff. Uh, you I didn't think get knocked up. It was close. <laughs> I tried. Uh, the condom broke one night, and we were okay. Really no, 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 no. Not going there. So not going there. All right. Um, all right. Now, I actually met Jeff. Um, through a screenwriters meeting, uh, it was at it was at Borders, I think, one night, right? It was for the Upstate Independence. Yeah, when Borders was in business, though. Yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, so sad. Um, and then I don't know. We just kind of hit it off. We both like film. I think we were talking Star Wars and stuff. And Jeff Jeff actually gave me my first job on a film set. Boy, I regretted um, that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's all led to this. I was a, he uh, he asked me to be a, be a PA on some on a, so a short film, and it was in Connecticut, uh, and and then just from there we we just kind of you know I worked on a couple of his films and he worked on a couple of films that <clears throat> that I was in a couple of short films and that was it we've been friends ever since been about ten years almost right I think holy shit I guess yeah. it has <laughs> <laughs> yeah Mark I mean Mark uh, started in the in the whole like crew phase and then. I mean, Mark, maybe you can talk more about this, but switched over to acting and, and seeing him on other projects that, you know, in his acting, I really saw his growth and I was really impressed by how he, he, he grew as an actor. So that's why I casted him as uh, Captain Amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when this project came about, Jeff came yeah. to you and said... Yeah, he, he came and he said... Uh, it was actually right after we got done, and I got done shooting another film with, my, with our friend Jay, um, and uh, Jeff had helped out on that. And a couple days later, Jeff said, look, I really want to talk to you about, about being in something, and I'm, I'm creating something, and, and let me talk to you about it. So uh, he, he brought me over to... We, we both went to uh, the first actress we had. We went over to her place. And, oh, there's, uh, there's a revelation right there. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so... <laughs> And, oh, uh, oh, we're about to get some dirt. I, <laughs> I had no idea what he wanted me to do. He, he just wanted to talk to me and this other actress about what he was doing. And, uh, and he said, look, I got this web series about this superhero that, get, that, that knocks up his, his supervillain. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and then he dropped the bomb and, and asked me if I wanted to be uh, the superhero. And, and I was kind of taken aback because... I mean, if, if, if I mean, and I've obviously nobody here has ever seen my my body, but uh, it, it, no, it's that's not like, true. I've seen the YouTube videos. For the audience out there, it's like um, you know, Chris Evans, the beginning of Captain America, when he's like <laughs> little, little scrawny Steve Rogers, like that is me. 
So I was like, Jeff, do you see like what you're looking at? Um, you know, five five, and I weigh like 110 pounds. Um, and and that really works. <laughs> the wrong way, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it surprised me because he he wasn't really concerned about that. He just was. He told me he was impressed with with uh, the job I had done on the film we just shot, and, and he liked my acting ability. So, um, yeah, that's when he came to me with it, and and I agreed right away because I thought it was a good idea, and I thought it'd be interesting and and, and fun to play this guy. One thing so, I'll add. To that, sorry, Mark. Uh, that is, uh, Mark actually is uh, his physique is is actually much better than he he admits. He's he even hit the gym to prepare for well, the Well, not, not, now that I've been going to the gym, yeah. yes. But yeah. <laughs> a year ago. No. Now. Um, I will say, though, uh, yeah, I mean, that's very true. I mean, because some people were like, oh, yeah, you need to get this totally beefy guy. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm really more concerned about getting really awesome actors and their chemistry. That's, I think, the key to this whole series. It's, got, it's between Jessica and Good Michael. for you. And I'm that's so- what's important. And, that's, and I, that's what I went with it. I'm... And I've been in the editing room a lot now because we've shot almost the entire season one. So, and I'm totally justified, I think, now looking at the footage that him and uh, Natalie Bain, by the way, who plays uh, the lead Jessica, who's phenomenal actress. Uh, they're, she's they're, adorable, they're, too. Yeah, she's very cute. She really yeah, they're, is. They're great together. But, Mark, you've done some other things. And have, did any of your other roles that you did prepare you for something like this? You know, uh, no. I mean, I, I've done some some you know most of the stuff i've done is, is short horror films my friend jay likes to shoot horror films and and it's kind of just been straight ahead uh you know i, I think i've died in every single <laughs> gay, gay film so i just have just to hear a like, message yeah i just have to be the guy that dies or you know the husband the boyfriend that, that died um the, that's okay the, i had my head split open once <laughs> Ooh, nice. i have I've not had that i gotta have that um but the, no the, you really don't it's okay <laughs> uh, never mind all right <laughs> Yeah, Why do you think they call me the dead redhead? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but no, this is this is the most complex character I've I've had to play. Not only because I've been you know, it's, for, it's for a long period of time, but just uh, just kind of what uh, Michael Masters, who's that that's the, the Captain Amazing's uh, alter ego, uh, what he goes through and what he's feeling. I've never had to to kind of portray before. Um, so I, nothing really. I mean, I, well. I, I can't say nothing prepared me, but I've never had anything kind of this deep and complex uh, before. Wow, that makes me sound like a writing genius. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> no, that's. Yeah. I mean, the 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 role that you that you helped uh, that I did before this in Jay's short film of Rose in the City, I mean, was a little bit more complex than than what I've done before. Uh, a little bit more emotional, uh, but it's really nothing compared to to, to what I'm now. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so now, are are you guys doing on live uh, shooting? You know, on um, yeah, I almost said on set, but that's not really what I want to say. Are on you location? doing a lot of? On thank you. You know, I've actually worked on films, and that wor- that word just popped out of my head. Uh, have you been going on location, or are you doing a lot of green screen stuff? Uh, yeah. Yes, our location is usually Mark's apartment. Uh, okay. <laughs> that it is. Yes, I've actually rearranged my apartments uh, to fit what Michael Masters' apartment should look like. And then he kept it that way because he liked and it I, so much. Yeah, I kept it that way. It's actually in that uh, well, well, right, right now. All all our um, I mean, it is all on location because obviously we're we're super low budget indie you know production, so we don't have access to studios or anything. But um, a lot of it is in Mark's apartment just because. 
a lot of it takes place in that in his character's apartment. Um, but you know, we've been on other locations like uh, actually our most recent shoot, which was uh, for episode three. We actually uh, shot in a, in a bar and uh, in where we where we do it, in, which is Albany, New York. And uh, we had all these supervillain, like thirty supervillain extras, come and dress up, which was awesome. And yeah, you know what? We're actually going to do our first green screen stuff this Sunday uh, on a shoot. Uh, I've actually been able to not have to do any green screen stuff, which I'm actually happy with. Um, the uh, the more just re- real right there on the spot stuff, the more stuff I can get on set, the more I'm happy with. Um, and and there is there are definitely going to be some special effects which are really cool in it, but um, we've been able to do it so far without uh, much green screen work, which is cool. Good. Sure, absolutely. So now, wh- when do we see when do we see this coming out? So. Yeah, the series uh, season one, which is going to be five episodes, uh, is set to release this fall. And uh, I wish I could give you an exact date, but I don't want to give a date, set date until I have all the episodes ready. You know, I want to make sure for people who are watching them and everybody who's been following us on Facebook and stuff that I can say it's going to come out this date and you're going to see an, an episode every week or every two weeks after this point for sure. You know, so it will be this fall. So it's, it's coming up not too, not too long long away which is great because we've been working on it for a long time shooting the episodes so fall 2011 definitely look for super knocked up okay and okay two questions now first of all um see first season one is five episodes you've already got season two written yeah actually um since like i said I, i i wrote it through this course i actually wrote it as a feature length screenplay so that's how it was originally in its incarnation and I basically so basically the entire story is written. I've just been breaking that feature up until um, seasons, you know. So yes, pretty much the entire actually whole arc of the entire story um, is written. So absolutely. Okay. And when you're ready to announce an opening, you're going to let us know. Oh, I would I would love to let you know. I would let everybody in the world know, and you guys can be <laughs> number one on the list if you like. No. We, we would absolutely like to be number one on the list. We would, in fact, love to be able to review it. Oh, sure. that would be fantastic. We would love that. Absolutely. I do have one question, guys. When you were at the con, you were having people uh, do little video clips yes. or to use their voice. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was about? Sure. Mark. I don't know, Mark, do you want to? Yeah. Well, I, I think what well, Jeff is going to – we have these little kind of side things we're going to do, right, Jeff, where it's going to be like – um, interviews. It's going to be in in web series where uh, it's going to be in newscasts in the web series where people are being interviewed about maybe Captain Amazing or Dark oh. Star. Um, so it's going to be part of the web series. And we were pretty much these people at these comic cons were actors. Uh, they were they were acting like for a few minutes uh, to be in the web series as as part of it. Uh, but it's it's going to be integrated into the web series like that, which we thought was was kind of a fun idea. Um, yeah, for for the most part, that's correct. Uh, but as usual, Mark got something wrong. Uh, <laughs> damn it! I was hoping this would be the first time in my thirty years I got something right. <laughs> so I mean, that is mostly true. Um, what in either before the official episodes or like in the week in between, if they're every two weeks, what we're going to do is air these episodes where there's a reporter character in the series, and like these are supposed to be like kind of man on the street interviews, where like which Mark said was correct. She's interviewing people. Like, what do you? 
think about Darkstar or Captain Amazing or whatever other superheroes in our, in our world of Super Knocked Up. So these were little like other kind of, kind of not official episodes, but other episodes I thought we could show to get people interested in kind of something they could watch in between the other when the official episodes are showing. So, and I just thought it'd be, since we're going to Comic-Cons, what a great place to get people who are really excited about superheroes and stuff, you know, and that they would really dig getting to do this stuff and, and being part of the series. And it seemed like you had some pretty interesting people giving you some material there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did, Mark, right? <laughs> we certainly did. We certainly had some, some interesting people giving interviews, yes. Which is, though, we had some really awesome, I mean, we had some really funny people who were, I mean, I had lines written, but then I would let people, you know, riff and ad-lib stuff, and they came up with some really funny material, actually, so it was, it was awesome. Yeah. I remember one person had somebody jump on his back or something, and they were throwing him around or something. <laughs> Jeez, that, come on, guys! <laughs> when was that? Was that a was that a Boston Comic Con? Yes. Yeah, totally was. I, I don't even remember that. Shit. I, yeah, I don't. Were, I don't remember were, that either. Were we smoking something for you guys? I don't know. Just <laughs> <laughs> choking up in the bathroom. I'm standing <laughs> at the table and I look over, and this guy jumps on the other guy, and it was like, "Wow, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I can't wait to see that footage. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, based, based on what I saw at Comic-Con, based on what I've seen on, on your Facebook and, and YouTube pages, uh, this looks like good fun. This really looks like good fun. I yeah. wish you guys a lot of luck with this. We've been talking with Jeff Burns, writer-producer, and Mark Pizzula, star... Captain Amazing in the upcoming uh, action comedy web series, Super Knocked Up. Thank thank you so much, guys. Yes. Can we... You can say something if you want to, yes. Can we give a a plug for our sites? Sure. Awesome. Please, folks, check us out on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash super knocked up, or just search for super knocked up on Facebook. And uh, if you can give us a like on that page, the more the better. We would love that. You can watch all our YouTube videos right on Facebook. And also, um, very soon, our website is up. It's called superknockedup.com. We're adding stuff to it right now, so there's not a lot up there now, but you can watch videos, behind-the-scenes videos. And very soon, there's going to be a PayPal donate button. Uh, any, any, even if you could give a dollar or something, that would help us make more episodes of the series. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And thank you so much, guys, for having us on. It was a blast. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Great. Get and our coming up calendar. Next week we have August 6th and we will be taking a break that weekend. On August 13th, we'll be talking to the authors of the comic book Hit Kill Shakespeare. And on August 20th, Everett Soares will be talking to us about the Sky Pirates of Ballandor Comics. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music was provided by Zanoise. Please pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes. Dome? God, you do that so much better than I do. <laughs> I want to thank Jeff Burns and Mark Mazzula for joining us tonight. Looking forward to Super Knocked Up. Brianna, thank you so much for everything. Dead Redhead, thank you, my dear. Sir, thank you, guys. 
Java, take it easy, my friend. This is Dome saying Genie shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus, we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody.